The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. two-man power trip of wrestling i'm your host jp at john pause with me today very special guest former two-time WWE world tag team champion former WWF light heavyweight champion he's of course scotty tuhati scott taylor aka scott garland welcome to the two-man power trip how you doing how you doing john yeah doing pretty good what's been going on in your world i know you're very very busy yeah it's been awesome dude it's been uh, overwhelmingly busy uh, overwhelmingly good like i had no idea it was going to be this good you know i'd asked around um, see what I thought I could do back in the independence and working for myself. It seemed like it was really hot out there. And I saw guys like, you know, my, Matt Cardona and those guys like killing it after they left WWE and they looked like they were having fun. And, uh, I've pretty, been pretty open, you know, I'm, I'm 48 years old. So realistically, I know that I only have a few years left where I can go to the degree that I want to be able to, to go at, you know? So, um, yeah, I thought now is the the time to do it. It's either now or never. So, dude, it's been uh, crazy. I was just uh, I have a UK tour coming up in March, uh, London, Wales, Scotland, uh, back to England, and then finish up in Ireland. Uh, it's it's twelve days on books straight solid with at least at least one thing, sometimes two things a day, and. Uh, I don't know if I worked that kind of schedule with WWE at any point if I ever worked 12 days in a row. You know, I'm sure I did, but uh, this is a whole, like, you know, seminars, between seminars, signings, and, and shows, it's it's crazy. So it's 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 awesome. I'm having a blast, you know? Were you surprised at all, like, with how many people were interested in booking you? Because, I mean, it, you are busy. I, I, I am, but I also, I, I don't think I took into the account of, uh, I took into account the, um, how much the coaching at the performance center part would play into the seminar bookings, I think, you know, so for, for a promoter, for me, for a promoter to contact me and say, Hey, I want to use you for a show. I give them a price and, uh, and then I go and I'll also come in and I'll do a seminar, you know, two hours before doors open. Um, it's, it's kind of a no brainer and it's a win-win for both of us, you know, and, and to be honest with you, like when, when seminars were just kind of coming around, I think when I went to WWE and I did a few and I didn't really enjoy them um, because I was never, I never went to a wrestling school. I was kind of a backyard guy before there was a word for it. I, I say to people, you know, it's kind of like the Hardys and, and me and my friends, we kind of learned on our own. We never had a proper training session, you know? So it was kind of, uh, it was um, intimidating for me to go and all of a sudden I'm coaching these athletes you know and uh but i fell in love with the job and i loved coaching so now it's fun to go back out and man dude i tell you what like a two-hour seminar is a breeze and it flies by for me and basically i just talk with these people you know because they have a lot of questions and sometimes i think we take um things for granted that we think they know that that they really don't know you know and again dude i'm wide open and, I, and you know the first thing i say in each seminar is like i want to be here for you guys and I want you guys to get the most out of your money. So um, ask ask away. I'm an open book, and I'll be honest with them. And I don't do so much of the in-ring training with them. Sometimes it's, it's hard, especially like this, some of this, the OVW seminar I did, we had like 40 people. And then I did one um, in uh, San Antonio at the hybrid school last weekend. And 
there are about 25, 30 people there. So it'd be, it's hard to do anything physical in one day. I'd love to go into one of these schools for a week and, and, and make a camp, more of a camp out of it. But in order to do a two-hour seminar, it's basically a Q&A thing. And, and that's what I want it to be, an open conversation. So, dude, I'm having a blast. I really am. Like, this is uh, this is the, the probably the most fun I've ever had in my career right now. Just, you know, definitely not the most money I've ever made. But, but uh, well, I mean, we'll see what it leads to. But, but, but as far as just having fun and, and relaxing and enjoying it, this is the time, John. Yeah, that's awesome. And an yeah. IS, ISPW coming up February 18th. You got a seminar. Yes. Yes. So it's in Butler, New Jersey. All the information, ISPWWrestling.com. But it's awesome because you got this, the seminar in Butler at St. Anthony's Church Gym, 3 to 5. And then you're the main event of the show that night, too, for yes. ISPW. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's fun. Uh, I've been up that way a couple times so far since I started back January 1st, of course, with the GCW thing with Janela. And uh, I've been back up in the New York. Uh, New Jersey area a couple times for signings and stuff, but this will be my first uh, uh, match over that way. You know, we did the GC th GCW thing in Atlantic City, but to go back up and, you know, to wrestle Danny Doring with Maven involved, and, and that's that's cool. Like, you know, I know those guys, and it'll be fun, and, you know, that's, I, I keep telling people, like, uh, at this point in my career, if it's not fun, I don't want to be a part of it. You know, there's more to life than money. And of course, the money has to be there. But but at the end of the day, if it's not fun, I have no desire to do it. Um, I never got in this for the money in the first place. The money came, you know, over time. But right. it took it took a long time for that money to come, probably 10 years in before I was really making money, you know. To right. once Even, you know, when I signed with WWF in 97, I wasn't there. There was no such thing as a guaranteed contract at that time, you know. So I was still on that old school $150 a day guaranteed of 14 days over the next two year contract which everybody had at that point you know up until mark merrill came along i think it was there was no such thing as a guaranteed deal you know and then yep. you know and then they started to ease their way in and everybody had them but even after that i wasn't making big money until like 99 uh, 2000 with with two cool issues stuff you know so um and that was fun but that's on a big level with a lot of days on the road and a lot of stress and a lot of doing what you know you're being told to do and not that there's anything wrong with that but like now i'm my own boss i do my own marketing i put together my own social media videos i do all the own editing on all my stuff and i'm my own promoter and if i want to work this weekend i work if i don't i don't and if there's a promoter promoter i don't necessarily like or like what he puts out there i don't need to go work for him and if there is hey i'll go in for free you know what i mean like it's all about having fun and quality of life at this point you know got to be pretty satisfying for you though i mean you can kind of do whatever you want make your own hours you know it's awesome man i mean i, I took uh, i had one show in um there were two originally for this big time had two shows up in the carolinas a couple weeks ago and they ended up canceling one on friday night because of a snowstorm but this was the show with um ftr and rock and roll express you know oh, yeah. i was on there and uh it's about nine hours from here we were in um, spartanburg south carolina so i took my daughter you know, my daughter's 20 years old. We made a week-long road trip of it. We stayed in Savannah a couple of nights and then drove over to Greenville, stayed in Greenville the night, then drove to Asheville, and then, you know, slowly made our way around the Carolinas and Georgia and made our way home. So had this awesome week out on the road with my daughter. And, uh, and then, you know, WrestleMania weekend, we're going to uh, WrestleCon, and I bring my son on that trip with me. So it's it's awesome, especially to have the kids along at this point because they were little when I was with WWE and they didn't really get to be a, a part of it, you know, and they, they, they've been a part of the, uh, the coaching part over the last, you know, six years at the PC and the NXT thing. But this is a whole different thing for them to see their dad go out there and, and, and wrestle and do, do his thing, I think, you know, so it's, it's, it's fun, man. That's awesome too. Cause you wouldn't be able to take a week long trip probably if you work for WWE, you know what I mean? Not be right. able to do that. Right, right. And that's what I do. I love to travel so much, you know, like even with like that UK thing coming up. I just, I booked my flight uh, two days ago. I was leaving March 2nd through the 16th, coming back, flying back from Dublin on the 16th. And I realized the day after I booked it, St. Patrick's Day is the next day. Like, I'm an idiot if I don't stay and do yeah. St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, you know? So I changed, you know, I called the airlines yesterday. It was $200 to change my flight to come home on Friday. But I'm like, you know what? What a cool life experience to be in Ireland. And they haven't had St. Patrick's Day for, this is going to be the first time in three years because of COVID. 
Right. So, dude, I'm gonna get a room, and I, I'm not. I'm not even a drinker, but I just want to be there and, you know, be a bit, be a part of it, and just be a people that do some people watching and watch the, yeah. <laughs> watch the mess happen. You know, like stay right downtown in Dublin. Like, what a cool, what a cool thing to be able to do. And that's not something that you can do with the bigger companies because you're on the road. It's, you know, especially those European tours with a, like a WWE. It's you know, Paris one day, London the next day, Dublin, Belfast. And it's like, you don't know if you're in Peoria or Belfast by the end of it. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a, it's big, a big blur. I've been places that I don't even realize that I've been when I, sometimes I see stuff and, and I know I've been, I know I've been to Italy, but I couldn't tell you for sure what cities I was in, you know? Wow. But yeah, too, too much going on sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So your decision to leave the Performance Center, was that all you, though? You just wanted to leave? Or was there, like, a shake-up involved? Because after you left, it was like a steel is gone, Carino's sister's gone, uh, Regal's gone, Joe's gone. Like, it seemed like a huge shake-up after you left. Yeah, I think, um, you know, there were a lot of changes. You know, some were, some were on the, I keep saying some were on them, some were on me, and some, some of it was a combination of the two. And I... Uh, I was just, I wasn't having fun anymore. And I was like, okay, it's, I can go to work and collect a paycheck every day. Like the majority of us do, you know, and I swore I would never do. And, uh, or I can move on and, and go do something else, you know, somewhere, somewhere else on my own, you know? And, and, uh, I asked, you know, I, I talked to Cardona quite a bit and, uh, you know, got ideas on what I thought I could make and, you know, got his advice and stuff. And, and uh it was i keep saying i left plan plan a without a real solid plan b you know and which was kind of crazy it was a gamble but it's a gamble that's paying off for me and and uh i I love it you know and it was it was just uh it wasn't uh it was just it was just time to move on you know uh i keep saying that i'm so thankful for my time there um, it just wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't, NXT wasn't doing live events. Um, you know, they were wanting to go a certain direction as far as training and, and some new rules and, and, uh, dude, I'm the pro wrestling guy from, um, Georgia and Mosil with a green tongue eating turnbuckles and Kamala who they went and took out of the jungle and trained how to wrestle and painted a moon on the stomach and dude, it's, it's. Sometimes it's so hokey, it's over the top, but that's what makes it so fun, you know. Like it's it's uh, the the worm was hokey, but it was fun, you know. Kiss is hokey, but they're dude, they're seventy two years old, still selling out arenas, you know, like putting on face paint and spitting blood and fire and flying through the air. But that's I think especially in these times right now, um, where everything is so serious and everybody's under the gun and under pressure and you know, social media and with COVID and just the way of the world right now, like people need fun, you know? So I just want to get out there and have some fun and try not to take everything so serious. You know, it's funny. Uh, I saw a tweet that somebody put out for my seminar next weekend. And after the, the, the day after I do the Jersey show um, for Tommy Fierro, I fly to, uh, I fly to Atlanta and drive to Alabama to do another seminar and show there and the tweet was something about you know scotty too hotty seminar uh serious serious wrestlers only and i understand what they meant by that but i, I wanted to write no i don't want just serious wrestlers i want kamala <laughs> and george animal steel and dunk the clown right. you know like right, yeah. like uh, to me like wrestling it's supposed to be fun you know and i, and, and I always go to the undertaker um, because he's perceived as one of the the most respected respected and serious you know, wrestlers of, of our time, right? Like, he's a dead guy that wears eyeliner, right? Like, but, right. so it's like, yeah. it's still way out there, right? But it's so fun, man. And he wasn't, I was say, don't confuse fun and funny. I was more of a funny and a kind of a com- comedic character. That doesn't mean, fun doesn't always necessarily mean funny. You know, you, right. can, be, you can be fun and it's what it should be. You know, like, I would say, I would say, like, even in my seminars, like, these people that pay, you know, their money to come watch you wrestle on a Saturday night, they didn't have to come. So, you know, they could have gone to a comedy show or a movie or a, a concert. You know, they're just looking to get out of their house, forget about their bills for two hours and have some fun. So don't try to make this so serious. And, uh, you, you know, like even in your match, like you have to spoon feed your story to them. They don't want to have to think about it. If you're the bad guy, 
tell them that you're the bad guy as soon as you walk through that curtain. If you're the good guy, you tell them that you're the good guy. All it takes is a look or a glance or a way you walk or, you know, that little high five to that little kid when you first come through the curtain or, you know, that, 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 that stare as, as a bad guy. Like, it's good guy, bad guy. Like, I had a kid last weekend in my seminar in San Antonio said, what about because I was talking about like, you want to get a reaction. And I was kind of giving them that speech. Like as soon as you walk through that curtain, you need to tell them they're there. Everybody's on board with what we do at this point. They're looking for cues from us. Right. So like tell them, give them those cues. As soon as and the kid says, what if you're a tweener? And I'm like, what the hell's a tweener? Like so to me, the tweener is like another word for boring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I get what they mean by that, but why are we overcomplicating it? You know, they want good versus bad. And there's no such thing as a tweener, you know? Like, like pick pick one way and go with it. Like, stop making it so complicated on yourself, you know? Right. Especially if you're just starting out. Like, it's different, like, you know, and, 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 I, and I get the term tweener when you're talking about, like, a, you know, a Samoa Joe. I can remember, like, Samoa Joe versus Finn Balor. And they were kind of both on the line or maybe joe was kind of on the line where you could put him against a film finn he'd be the and then you know joe would be the bad guy but you put him against a, a bad guy and then he'd be more of the good guy so i get yep. where the term comes from but you're talking about guys who have time invested in them they didn't start out that way if you're just starting out doing this man like why are you making it so hard on yourself just go out there and spoon feed your story to them man give them give them two hours of fun you know that was like Sting and Luger back in the day in WCW. Luger was a tweener, but every time Sting would turn his back, he would cheat. So you knew right. he was really a heel. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could look at Luger. Even when he was a good guy, he was a heel, right? Like yeah, he was, there was yeah. something about him, you know? Yep. That but, slug uh, look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but with you, when you like go to these seminars and you do the training and stuff, and, and you're explaining to them, is a lot of the questions like WWE centric or is it like worm centric? Like, is it, is it a lot of like not wrestling stuff, but almost like sports entertainment? What can I do with my character stuff? Yeah. More character stuff, I think. And that's what I tell them. You know, I was a bad, like most of these kids, they, that are at these wrestling schools and I say kids, you know, some are in their twenties or whatever, but, right. but, um, they have a pretty good technical guy teaching them during the week. You know, but they don't have the sports entertainment or the, the psychology guy. To, to, and that's kind of what I did at the performance center was, you know, they would come to me once they had the basics. And, the, you know, Brookside and Smiley had 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 them for a while and they'd move over to me. And, you know, you, sometimes you just got to learn to put where to put those pauses in more than you need to learn how to do more moves, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I, and that's what I tell them at the seminars. I'm not going to teach you guys. Most of you guys can wrestle better than I can, you know, like, um, and you know, way back when I was first starting out, like I wanted to be that great technical wrestler, but as time went on, of course, you know, I became this character and, and, uh, it was more of a sports entertainment type character. And I embraced that. I had so much fun with it, you know? Um, and then, and then once I started doing that and saw, you know, the crowd reactions and, you know, and then the, the money going up and the people getting behind me and, you know, going into places like New York or Philly or and where they used to, you know, boo me when I was a good guy. All of a sudden, I'm this over-the-top good guy doing this hokey move, but they love it, dude. Like, I mean, to get over in a New York City, Madison Square Garden, if you look at that Royal Rumble video, you know, when that, yep. and that was... It's funny, I was just talking to somebody about it the other day. You don't, you don't stop and think about it, but it was um, in uh, pretty much they put Rikishi with us in December of 99. And then that Royal Rumble was a month later. Yep. So that thing took off fast. You know, we felt that the first night they, they put him with us. And, and uh, it, it was just like, you know you have something when, you, when you, you can feel it. You know, and that's a hard thing to teach these guys is like, how to feel something, you know, cause they don't know what they're trying to feel. They're, 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 yep. they're, they're getting so, there's so much to what we do that people don't realize how much goes into to what we do. Right. Um, that it's sometimes it's hard to teach that until they actually feel it themselves. And I think that's one of the things that's lacking today is an experienced guy or girl working with a, a, a less experienced, you know, cause that's such a, such a vital, part of it is for that less experienced person to work with a veteran who can slow them down 
and said, no, like, like we can do that, but let's put it here or let's wait for that crowd. Don't, don't, there's no rush. Like, you know, you can think, you can let the crowd think that they're working you, but you're really working them. You know, there's nothing wrong. Like you, that's, that's what you should be trying to do. You yep. let them think they're in control, but you're really in control, you know? And I was at Royal Rumble 2000. I remember that. I was like, wow, Scotty, uh, Brian Christopher, and, uh, well, Grandmaster, really, yeah. and Rikishi. I was like, wow, they're over like Rover. I mean, almost like rock level. It was, I mean, yeah, it was right. almost overnight, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, once once we got the characters, it was almost overnight. But I, at that point, I had been there. I signed in February. I mean, I started as an extra in 91, signed for the light heavyweight division in February of 97. And that wasn't until, like, January of 2000. So it wasn't, you know, it seems like it was quick, but it was a couple of years. And it was a scary couple of years because I saw guys come in after me who were getting the machine behind them. And I was sitting at home, you know, Hardy's came in after me. Edge and Christian came after me. Val Venus came after me. But they all got the machine behind them before I did. So it was a little scary at times, you know. But once it happened, it was, it was awesome, you know. And then you guys transitioned. You guys were too much, you and Brian Christopher, which was a funny, great heel tag team. And then too cool, which is like the complete opposite of too much. Yeah. It's funny. Like they were, if you look at like, there were a lot of similarities, really. Like we're still kind of doing the same stuff. We're kind of doing the goofy dancing. I actually started the worm when we were too much. I I would just do it like on entrances or I would do it on live events in the middle of the match, you know. But, But once we started the too cool thing, with the dancing stuff, I was like, oh, this one thing, it fits perfect for this character, you know? So, and we incorporated little pieces that we were already doing and uh, put it into Too Cool, but what a great time, man. So much fun. Do you remember why they put you guys together in the first place? Was, was there was there a, I don't, dude, I don't think there was a rhyme or reason to it. I was sitting home for months when I got the phone call to go to WrestleMania 14 in Boston, and they just threw Brian and I in that tag team battle royal. And I was a baby face. He was a heel. And so it was kind of crazy. And, and uh, it was just, it just, it, it worked. For whatever reason, it, it worked. You know, once we, be, once we became too cool, it worked. It was, I think there was always a weird part of me that felt like I was biting on his character because he was too sexy. And then I became too hot. When, and on, on all, on, on, and on all honesty, I can't even talk. Um, I, I, um, I was Scott too hot Taylor on the independence for, for, for a little bit back a couple of years before we ever started that, you know, so it, I pitched the idea to, to Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 14 and then we became too much like the next week, you know, so, um, it was just right place, right time. And every day stars aligned and, you know, what a cool ride, you know? Back when you can actually talk to Vince, right, and pitch him ideas, doesn't seem like you do that anymore. Honestly, dude, like I didn't really, um, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't have <laughs> no a lot. Of, I didn't have a lot of conversations with him over the years. You know, not really, but you know, yeah, I guess more than more than now from what I hear. You know, I wasn't around a lot in my time at NXT, to be honest with you. So, um, it was, you know, that whole, when I was at NXT, it was Hunter's deal and Vince didn't really come around. And I saw him a couple of times that, you know, they would send us to, you know, different shows here and there, but I'd never really, never had too much conversation with him. Even over the years is when I was there, there weren't, wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot, you know, he's a very intimidating guy to, to talk to, I think, you know, especially when you grow up a fan of this, like I did, you know, from, you know, 10 years old on it, it was, you know, just to, think back and uh, like Wrestlemania 3 him standing in the ring when it opens with 93,000 people out there and saying welcome to Wrestlemania like dude like he's the he's, if it wasn't for him it wasn't like there was none of this right so it's just um, that's why I think I struggle so much now with seeing what's going on and like this is not what I grew up a fan of you know and that's not a knock on them it's just like I was a fan dude I was a fan up until I used to leave Raw and go, you know, we would stop at an Applebee's and watch Nitro, watch a replay of Nitro. Like, I've been a fan my whole life, and it, and so now it's 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 tough sometimes, you know. I just, I want to see it do well, and I want to see new characters, and I want to see, I want it to be fun, 
you know, and I want, I want, I want the fans to have fun and be what it was. You know, maybe I'm just getting old and bitter and grizzled. I don't know, but I watch Monday night and it's just like, there's something that's just, you know, part of it, maybe there's just too much wrestling on TV these days. It's pretty much every night of the week. Right. And then, and if it's not AEW or WWE or NXT or, you know, AEW dark, or it's, it's, you can catch a independent show on fight TV or, you know, it's just, just so much now. Whereas when you and I were kids, it was one hour on Saturday morning and it was like, you didn't see Hogan wrestling. No. You know, you had a well, Saturday Night's Main event came around, dude. Like how? Like I still remember that feeling and trying to stay awake till eleven thirty at night to watch Saturday Night's Main event. And, you know, and hearing that music and like, oh my god! Like I knew this match was happening, but they would, you know, start flashing the pictures of, you know, the Rockers and the Orient Express. And like, oh my god! Nobody, they, yeah. you know, TV guy didn't tell me we were going to see this match. You know what I mean? Like, so it's uh, that's what I want. And that's what I remember. And that's what I'm a fan of. So it's. You know, I even I struggle now even with independence stuff. And I've been talking to a lot of people like this. Like, I wish we could all get on board as independent wrestlers and make it better than it is. I just feel like we can do better than it is. Like, let's scrap that pre-show meet and greet. Like, why are we putting these guys? I hate going out there and being seen before my match. You know, doors open. You're sitting out there selling your merchandise. And you they walk in and they see you sitting there. And... You know, it feels like a flea market and, you know, and then I've even had promoters asking me like, hey, will you do a cell phone video for me to promote the show? And I'm like, I say no. And I feel like I hope this isn't going to turn against me and I'm not doing it because I'm a big star. I'm doing it to protect any star power that I have because you can't tell me that a cell phone video of me sitting on my couch cutting a wrestling promo is going to help you sell tickets. You're, you're better, you know, throw, make a professional looking poster where I look like a star on the poster and I will tweet that stuff out three times a week for you, you know, right. and I will promote that. Yeah. And that's why I've been trying to be smart with my own social media and I'm doing my own videos. I do my own editing and, and try to put little things together to promote my upcoming self. Um, I just think we can do better overall as a, as a business. I just think that independent wrestling has been run a certain way for so long. It's just become the norm and nobody questions it. You know, yeah. I'm not trying to be a jerk or be a big star about it. It's just like, let's be better. Let's, let's present this as a professional thing. Like, like what comedian or band, no matter what level they are. I mean, and I'm here in Orlando where we have the hard rock and house of blues and, you know, some smaller venues. I don't ever see a video of a comedian sitting in his house saying, Hey, I'm coming to Orlando house of blues. Come check me out. And you know, like, it's 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 not how any it's done in any, any other way. It's just how it's done in wrestling, in, in independent wrestling. You know, and I just feel like it can be so much better. Like let's 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 do a ninety minute show. Let's do six matches. Give them they're paying fifteen twenty bucks a ticket. Let's give them six matches, a ninety minute show, no intermission, and then we send everybody out. We'll put the heels on one side of the building, baby faces on the other side. We'll have tables set up for them. We'll have somebody to take their money for them so they don't look like carny flea market guys. And let's let's present them all as stars because you know what? It could be me on the show with some kid who's having a second match, but that kid having a second match might blow me out of the water in the ring. But if they see us before the show and they're seeing me for the first time and they're seeing him for the first time he's going to look as like an equal equal to me even though i've had 30 years of tv experience right but he'll look like a star then so you let him perform first then send him out to do the meet and greet right like even even bands you know you go to see a kiss or or whatever band it is they're doing their meet and greets after the show most of them you know most of not not always, but but you're not going to see him in a mass a mass setting before the show sitting there, right? So I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just getting old, but I just feel like it could be done in a better way, you know. And I'm not. I I, I don't think I'm out of place on that, you know. Um, I, it, it it makes me want to run my own stuff, honestly. Yeah, but, there you go. But um, I just feel like there's a better way. I have a promoter buddy of mine um, promoted a little bit down south, and he didn't let the guys go out because he said it's like kills the the pop of the show when they first come out. It, like kills the momentum of the guy. Like, oh, we saw him already. It does. I honestly, so I I give promoters a, an option. I go, here's my price to work the main event, or here's my price. 
to work the first half of the show. And if they can put me on the first half of the show, it's less, but I won't go out at the beginning of the show. I'll wrestle in the first half of the show so that when they, when I come through that curtain, they're seeing me for the very first time. And then I can go during intermission and do my stuff. Now I feel like I'm presented more of a, as a star rather than that flea market carny guy I'm ta- uh, I was talking about. I just think it's, if we all stuck together and, and changed it together, we could do it. But the problem is you have one guy who goes, no, I'm going to go out there at the beginning of the show. And then everybody feel, everybody else feels like, oh, he's going to go out and take all the money. And, and then so that next guy has to go out there and it just turns into what, we've, what we're used to, you know. So, but we'll see what happens, you know. Yep. So I just wanted to know, like, the worm, though. Where the heck did that come from? Where did the idea come from? Like, how did you create that thing? It's just so random. But also- well, it was, like I said, I started just doing it, kind of messing around when we were doing the too much stuff, you know. And I would just do it to pop the guys entertain the guys and in, in, in the match like you know i can remember like bradshaw and farouk and be like ah oh, do the worm you know and just just do it to make them laugh or whatever on on house shows and live events and then uh you know when we started the too cool thing i added it in and i was just you know i would lay the guy out by the ropes and i would hit the hit the ropes on the other side and stop and just worm across and drop a headbutt or an elbow or whatever and, and uh, i hadn't really fine-tuned it yet but it was like I could tell I had something special with the reaction that I was getting just from doing the worm, you know, and then one night on Raw, I hopped, you know, I laid the guy out and I hopped to the other side and Jerry Lawler said W-O-R-M as I was hopping and I asked him to, if he would keep doing that and then, you know, like a month later, the crowd was, was chanting along and doing it and, you know, and then the hoo-hoo-hoo came in late, a little bit later and so it wasn't just something I sat down and 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 wrote out and thought, oh, this is going to be great and this is going to work. It's kind of like Austin 316. It's not something he thought out. He just said it and the next day there were Austin 316 signs in the crowd, you know. So, And that's why I encourage these people at these seminars to just throw stuff against the wall because you don't know what's going to work in this. You know, it's probably not going to be an arm drag or a suplex or a, you know, a, a, we know it's not going to be a destroyer because everybody's doing these Canadian destroyers now, right? Like, it's like, what what is it going to be? It's probably not going to be a move. And moves are just moves, you know, like moves are like, they're fun to watch. Like, but so we're watching people fall off skateboards, you know, like, like you have to have an, that, and this is something that you learn over time. And it took me a long time, you know, that, that you have to have that emotional attachment to that audience. Once you have that, you, you can, that's when you really start to take off and you really start to, you know, be a, be a money guy, I think. And you start to make that money and sell that merchandise and the moves are moves. You know, and there was a time when I was taking private gymnastics lessons just to learn how to do like moonsaults because I thought I had to do that and it was going to get me over. And and uh, I always joke like I get a better reaction doing the moonwalk than I do doing a moonsault now, you know, like, but I have that connection, you know, and if you can make the audience feel something, whether it's wrestling or comedy or, 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 or a concert, like if you can make them feel something. That's the that's the trick to this. You know, make them feel what you're feeling. Make them feel something. Like, like, but it's the the moves are just moves. And I know I sound like an old guy saying that, but it's I, I wasn't an old guy. I was a I was the youngest guy that I know of doing this stuff at one point. And I was told all the stuff that that the old guys said back then. You know, slow down, save your body, and like, you know. And then here I am, 48 years old, and going, hey, they were right. They weren't just trying to hold me back. They did know what they were talking about. You know, so it's and I want everybody to do well. You know, and I want to see people get. Like I said, I want to see people get over, and I want I want that next rock. You know, I want that next Austin. I want to see. I want to sit home and watch it and have fun. You know, I still want to be a fan and. And as long as it's just moves, it's like, yeah, the moves are cool, but there's got to be something. It's characters and storylines that make this stuff so awesome, you know? If you think about it, Hogan did a point, right? He's pointed a guy. That's it. Eruption. Austin gave the middle finger. Yep. Eruption. He's not doing any yep. moves. And it's better than when some guy does a Canadian destroyer through a table. You yes. know what I mean? Which yes. gets like a, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a clap. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I understand, dude, like, don't get me wrong. I understand the, uh, uh, the, the, the attraction to all of it like i mean even the gcw stuff with the light bulbs and i i, I yeah i want to watch that for a second you know yeah. like, oh, yeah. wow like, like that's entertaining but it's not to me it's like 
you can't go out and do that there do that for for very long and and, and, and with your you know health wise and all right i gotta i gotta do this i got dude i'm going to uk at 12 days in a row like how am i gonna get through 12 days in a row how you how you get through 12 days in a row if that's the style you work you know i do like i said i, I appreciate it I, I like watching it but it's you got to be careful because time flies in this stuff, man. I started as a 16 year old kid. Here I am on the other end and it went just like that, you know? So, and you know, neck surgery, back surgery, and I worked a pretty, pretty mild style, you know? So, I mean, it was first, first part of my career, like, you know, uh, before I signed with WWE doing some stupid stuff, taking pile drivers through tables from Perry Saturn and stuff like that. But, but uh, I didn't do a whole lot of crazy stuff. You know, now these guys out there diving off balconies and, and, uh, it's, and it's fun to watch, you know, and, and I understand like there is a rush behind it and like you get a reaction and you build a bit of a name from it, but you just got to be careful of that going down that road, you know? Yeah. I think it's a lot safer, especially if you're having a long tour, like you said, you do your style, you get your stuff in, but the crowd is still into it. I mean, they're right. still loving the war room and, and everything else. Right. And dude, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I know what this, 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 this whole run for me right now is like, I had to go out there with Janelle and I, and I felt like I had to prove something to that, that specific crowd. And I, I it was my first match back in six years. I had to prove something to myself as well. Like I didn't want to be that, that, uh, that guy, you know, who had a, decent run and he's out there just collecting a paycheck and phoning it in you know i don't want to be that guy i want to contribute and i want to make them go wow like man he can still go like he's he's not just phoning in and you know like i said like make him feel something special you know it's just it's i I think there's a i think there's a bit of a movement going on right now in wrestling and i don't i can't exactly put my finger on it but it's like you know, you see guys like uh, Cardona out there who are building their own brand, and and uh, EC3 and 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 Adam too. You know, those guys left. They don't have a big money machine behind them. They're doing all this stuff themselves, and they're staying relevant in the wrestling industry. And and like, what are they going to do? Where's EC3 going? Where's Adam going? Where's you know, what's where's Zach going to or or Matt going to show up next week? It's like. But that's all on them, and that's all their own being, being the self-promoter stuff, you know. And that's what I've tried to do with my videos is like, you know, try to, to try to make it cool, try to make it fun, and and uh, just keep my name out there. And it's 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 like I said, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's you can make a, you know, you can make a decent living doing this now without being having one of those big companies behind you. You know, and and for a person like starting out, it, it, it's going to be a little bit more work because you have to start from the ground level and scratch and, and and build it up. But but if you're not if you're not using your social media or YouTube and stuff to create this character that you want to be, you can be whatever you want. You have the ability to edit it or pay somebody to edit it and have somebody work with you to to tell your story and and um, create something for yourself. You know, so if you're just you can't just sit there and tweet stuff out. You got you got to put some time in it. And, and if you're not, you know you're missing out. You know it's it's a, it's such a such a cool time to be able to do that. I think we didn't like to, dude like we had VHSs back when I started yeah. out. You know, yeah. and you had to send those out by mail to try to get looked at. Now you can bang so like it takes me maybe a whole day to create a, a one minute video to throw up on Instagram. You know, I just put one out for my for, for my UK and Ireland tour. Um, and it took me a whole day just to edit that one minute down and, you know, try to find, might make me look as, as best as I can and, and put a cool vibe behind it and put some cool music behind it and, and uh, make it look like a real deal thing, you know, which it is. Like, I mean, dude, going all over, you know, the UK in 12 days. So it's like, it's a pretty special thing and I want it to feel special. You know, I don't, I don't want to, and I don't mean this as a knock on anybody, but if you put me on a poster with, your local guys who are there every month that that you know, hey, that dude, that he works at Subway, you know, but I like watching him wrestle. But and you take a guy who's been doing this for 32 years and had a good run with WWE and you put him on that same poster and they're the same size. And like there's 12 of those guys or 14 of those guys just thrown on a poster and you're walking down the street and you look at that and you go, there's nothing special there. It's just a bunch of guys who look like wrestlers, you know, right. so um, it's, it's so much of this is marketing. You know, and I don't, I don't mean to come across like a big star. Like it's, it's work and you have to, we're all just normal 
just normal people, right? But you have to right. try to you have to try to portray yourself and uh, as a star, you know. And I feel like that's something that's kind of uh, not really embraced, I guess. You know, like yeah, it so. feels like this day and age, there's a lot less stars, quote unquote. Like when I'm watching you know, Hogan, Savage, Piper, all these guys, <laughs> Warrior. I mean, they're larger than life. Andre, larger Dude, than life. Crazy. Even all Austin Rock. Nowadays, it's like Reigns, Lesnar. And then maybe Lashley, and like that's it. Nobody else is larger. And then than everybody Lashley. else, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and you know that's might be back again to like you know three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown. You know, what four hours a week of AEW, and then plus their dark stuff, and another two hours of NXT. So it's just so much, and uh, where nobody really feels special, I guess, right? So it's like just trying to like make yourself feel special in this and, and try to sell yourself. We're all salesmen, you know, and just trying to sell yourself as whatever you want to be. And I'm not, and that's something that I've struggled with, John, is like, how do I present myself at this point in my career? You know, do, do people want to see the guy that they remember from 2000 with the hair sticking up through the hat? Um, or is that passed by and, and do that would they rather see what that guy would look like 20 years later? You know, and and I, you know, I think there's definitely something to certain situations where you go, okay, we'll give them the nostalgic 2000 guy that they want, maybe at a con or whatever, right? Um, but I, I think there's more; it'd be more appreciated to go, wow, he's like trying to do something new, and he's he's 48 years old now, and he's like he looks great, and he can still go, and he's you know he's been doing this since he was 16 years old, and he was self-taught, and this is such a cool story there. Like, why wouldn't I embrace that? You know, like yeah, and and. Uh, so all of that stuff plays into who I am now, but I don't want to just live off from that, you know? Um, so it's all, it's all, it all falls into that marketing thing, I think, you know, which I did. I, I, I think about it all the time go, man, should I go back to school for marketing? Cause I enjoy it so much. And, uh, yeah. you know, and even like the social doing the videos, like I said, man, maybe there's something, you know, for the next part of half of my life where I could fall in and do that outside of, outside of wrestling or, or, or whatever, you know? So, um, it's all fun, you know? Do you think that it maybe WB now is too cookie cutter? Like they're trying to make everybody the same. They're all, like you were in the performance center, obviously at NXT. It's almost like the guys aren't being who they are. Like you, what you just said just there was a perfect example. Like, should I do this? Should I do that? It seems like WB is very like, this is the way. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. So I don't know if that's WWE or if it's, People are afraid to try anything, you know, for the, I mean, especially now, dude, like what, 200 people released in the last couple of years? Like, uh -huh. that's insane. Like, and yep. I understand that, like, dude, that's walking on eggshells. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, it's scary, you know, and it was scary for me. And, and, uh, you know, I thought every time those cuts come, I'm waiting for that phone to ring with that 203 number to, to let right. me go. And, you know, maybe that was part of me going, okay, I, it's time to go before that happens because, in 2007, when I was released as a wrestler, like I was ready to be done at that point, and I stayed. And I always wished that I had walked away on my own. So, you know, this this is uh, this is the time to go. I feel like I feel like it could be coming anytime. You know, so why don't I just do it on my own? And I, I think I'm more again. I think I'm more valuable uh, if I walk away on my own and uh, outside of WWE. You know, because if you're part of a a cut of you know six to a dozen people you're just a lump sum cut like you might be a blurt for a second but if i can go in and walk away on my own like that's pretty ballsy and it's pretty um it's 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 more marketing right like and and you know i put my thing out on um on social media when i left my little statement um and i stopped i was i had left the performance center and asked for my release and, and, and they, they, they granted it to me. And, uh, as I'm driving home, I think I need to put this out there that I asked for my release before they put it out there. Because again, yeah. I'm more valuable if I look like I walked away on my own than if they go, we fired him basically, you know, cause everybody goes, everybody knows what the deal is. If they go, we've released them. It's that means you got fired. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, it's released as a, pretty word right so um so i decided that's what i need i pulled over to a, it's funny i'm at a panera now but i pulled over to a panera and uh and, and in the parking lot you know typed that thing up real quick sent it to my girlfriend go how's this sound and 
and then boom, send it out there, you know? And, and honestly, man, like the response was, was like overwhelming, like overwhelming from, from everybody throughout the company and from, from outside of that company. And just like, like it was really, it made me feel like I did the right thing, you know? So, um, controlling the narrative. Yeah, that's it. Right. That's it. And, and you know, like maybe, maybe I would still be there and, and, but I would still feel the same way. You know, I think like, okay, when's that cut coming? Because, you know, it's the way things are there right now, man. It's just like, I don't think anybody feels safe, you know? So back to what you asked though, like, I think maybe people are just afraid to, people are afraid to try anything outside of the box. And, um, no, I, you know, I know I dude, He's looking for superstars. There's no doubt. I've heard him say it, you know, he's looking for stars. Like that's what he wants. And that's why he wants to hire these athletes that look like, like stars you know and yep. and that's what i tell these kids in these soup in these seminars man like i walk in there and like dude like some of them don't even look like they've ever seen the inside of a gym like so like that's fine if you just want this to be a hobby but if you're going how do i get to wwe you gotta go okay i gotta be realistic about this like do i see anybody there that looks like joe schmo and and uh looks like he's never seen the inside of a gym like he doesn't care if you can do moonsaults or flips or 360s and all that stuff like he wants stars you know and i really think you know he said that and i think that's what it is that he, he's looking for you know it's just i think it's a little bit of both there's so much stress there right now and everybody's afraid and it's it's hard to be creative when you're walking on eggshells all the time yeah you know even from a producer standpoint dude i was like i'd be going like, I, second question second guessing myself on stuff that ideas or talent would pitch stuff to me and i go I don't know. I love it, but I don't know if they'll love it. And, you know, so once you start doing that, it's, it, it gets, it gets sticky, right? Like big so, time. Yeah. And even triple H isn't around anymore, right? He's not around yeah. in NXT anymore. Shane yeah. McMahon, Shane Mc, uh, Vince's son is gone. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like anything could happen. It's just yeah, nuts that's the, over right? there. It's a crazy time right now. It's like time we've never seen before. Like this, and, and, and to be honest, like when I went back to, as a coach in 2016, it was a different, it felt like a totally different company that I left in 2007. You know, like, you know, cause when, when you're on the main roster, it's like, you know, you're renting your own cars, buying your own food, you're paying for your own hotels. Like, um, the only thing you really get is flights. And I go back to NXT in 2016, you know, we get on a bus uh, flight in Orlando. We fly to wherever we get off the bus, we get off the plane. There's a bus waiting for us. The bus takes us to a hotel or a restaurant foods paid for, you know, or there's food waiting at the hotel. We chill till five, 4:45. We get back on the bus. We go to the venue. We do the show. There's catering at the venue. Get back on the bus at the end of the show. There's food on the bus, you know, go back to the hotel. Like, like this wasn't the company that I left in, in 2007, you know? So I'm going, wow, yeah. this is awesome. And there was a different, there was a different, uh, there was a different vibe there. Like they, I keep saying like that we are NXT wasn't just a marketing slogan. It was a real deal thing. Like that the people involved felt that like, this is our thing. Like this is, and the, you know, I think a lot of that came from Hunter. Like, you know, it was just a different type of leadership and there was positive reinforcement there. And rather than like, you know, ruling with a, you know, uh, fear, you know, and it was just, I remember being on a show in Orlando at the, uh, at the arena, we did a TV and, you know, Hunter bringing Bailey or Sasha, one of those, one of those ladies up at the time and like giving them a hug in front of everybody and telling them how great they did. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is not what I left. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like he was a proud father, like, and it was like, it was his baby and he, you know, he created it and like, I don't, you know, he went away and, you know, I know Sean's like, Sean's working his ass off and he's trying to make it all work. And, but again, there's all that pressure there to, to make it work now without Hunter. And it's, it's something totally different than what it was. And, you know, and then I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just, it's what it's become. And it's, it was sad. Honestly, it was sad. I keep saying it was like a death almost when it, it all went away because the people that were involved in the, the black and gold and was like, that was, it was a, it was a pride thing and uh, it was a very cool thing to be a part of and i'm so thankful for it um it's just it's not what it was you know and uh maybe this you know it, maybe this this whole thing will open some doors for, for some new people and maybe it will create some stars it's kind of a sink or swim now like hey you're yeah. going up there on live tv and you're having your first match and you've got to get over 
you know, we're not going to spend six years on trying to hone this character and figure out who you are. You're going to go out there and you're going to do it now. And maybe that is a better way. I don't know. We'll see. I guess the only time will tell, you know, but, um, but I, I, I was like that six years with the, the black and gold of NXT was one of the best parts of my career. Are you a triple H guy? I am a, I don't know if I, I, I love him and I'm like I'm so thankful to work underneath him. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I would say, like, we kind of started out together, you know, in the Northeast. He was a Kowalski guy, and I was a Maine. I grew up in Maine, and I actually, I went to Memphis to work for Lawler and Jarrett in 93, and then I came home, and I was back on a, doing an independent show in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and he showed up. Uh, this is before he went to WCW as terrorizing, and uh, I remember having a conversation with him, and he was asking me if he should go to Memphis, you know, so we've always kind of known each other. Um, you know, and then of course we, you know, we worked together for years and always cool. I mean, we did, we went to ACDC together, me, my ex-wife, my kid's mom, China and Hunter went to in the super name dropping, I know, but it's kind of a cool story. And I tell this in my seminars, I actually, and I, but I don't say who I was with, but, um, Hunter had just done Saturday Night Live. You remember all the guys were on, on Saturday Night yep. Live. Yep. He had just done Saturday Night Live a couple of weeks before we went to see ACDC. We did Raw and SmackDown in Phoenix. And then ACDC was going to be in the same building on Wednesday night. So we stayed and we went, the four of us went to this show. And uh, and uh, because he had just met those guys, uh, we met them before the show. And, uh, you know, they all kind of came in separately. But Brian Johnson, the lead singer from ACDC came in. And I can remember him saying, I just had this conversation with Hunter within the last, within the last year. I go, do you remember what Brian Johnson said to us that night? And he said, no. And I said, he said, he goes, what you guys do is the same thing that we do. You come out, you bring them up, you bring them down, you bring them back up, and you send them home happy. And I was like, that's simple. That's it. That's what we wow. do. Like, that's it, right? Like, how does this guy? Never been in a ring in his life. He's just a spectator, and he watch, he's watching what we do. And he realizes, like, they do the same exact thing, right? So I use that in my seminars. It's like, it's that simple. Like, we try to overcomplicate this and, you know, weave this in and then, like, you know, do this move. And, like, oh, he's going to think about it. Like, no, just make him happy. Like, make him happy. You know, kick the show off on a high note, you know, bring it in, or even a match structure. Same way. Like, bring him up high. Bring him down. You're in the heat, right? Make make your comeback. Get to your finish. Like, yeah. um but I know I don't think I would say I was a Triple H guy. Like um, we always got along, but I mean maybe I was. Like I'm so like it was so cool to work underneath him. And like he was, he was a Kiss fan, and he was a rock and roll guy. And like he brought all of that into NXT, and I think it was something fresh and new. And you're back. Hey, you're, dude. Sorry. Yeah. You were saying about uh, fresh and new about NXT and Kiss and ACDC. Yeah. I got the big yeah. poster behind me. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, I think he brought all of that in and it was just a little bit more updated and it was a rock and roll show. I think like, you know, that last uh, Halloween Havoc that we had underneath him was like one of the best shows and it was just so cool. It was like something different in every match and it, it felt like a rock show, you know, and even our NXT live events, they were, felt so, so special. And like, I was the main NXT road producer. So I was, it would always be me and somebody else, one of the other producers or coaches out on the road, you know, because we'd have the Florida the Florida shows and then we'd have the traveling road shows. I was always one of the two road producers and, you know, we'd find different ways to make each thing each night feel special and try to do something cool. Like, you know, to, to, to close the show. Like I can remember, um, is this, we, we used to do this thing where with undisputed era, um, where we would have, you know, undisputed air layout, whoever the baby face was at the end of the night, you know, and they would go to leave and, you know, as they get to the curtain, war Raiders would step through the curtain. So they would start, they would walk back down the aisle. They'd go to jump over the barricade. Alistair Black's music would hit. He'd come out through one of the side doors of the arena. So they'd run to the other other side of the ring and they'd jump over the barricade and they'd try to go out another side door. You know, and here comes Ricochet through that door. And, you know, till finally they're in the ring and the, the fallen baby face is up and you know and maybe they go to they would go to escape and back down through the curtain and 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 you know roddy might get through, get away but he'd, he'd escape for five seconds and keith lee would walk back out through with him up over his shoulder you know like cool stuff like that that like they don't expect to see and you know uh, uh, 
a unique group of guys together and, you know, ending on a high note, you know, so it was, we just have fun doing stuff like that. And, you know, I miss, I miss, like I said, the road shows were gone, that the, the, the live events were gone. And that's really my wheelhouse. Um, TV's fun to produce, but it's stressful and it's, it's, you know, you have one shot to do something perfect and it doesn't always work. Whereas you can go out on a live event and yeah, if you don't hit it out of the park tonight, we can tweak it and we'll do it again tomorrow night and make it better. You know? So, um, it's, it's, it's that art that I, I enjoy that art part of it. That I enjoy. So Brian Johnson. Wow. He's a, a genius. I, I love uh, Who knew, right? Like yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who knew? He, uh, he nailed it. As we head forward towards the finish, head towards the wind down. Got to ask you this. I've been to Disney 20, I think 21 times, something like that. I've been to Disney awesome. a lot. My buddy lives in Orlando. So anytime, and he used to get me in because his brother used to work at the park and then his nephew. I mean, so, I mean, I just was able to get into Disney so many more times yeah. than I probably should have. But yeah, what's your favorite like theme park just overall? Would it be a Disney park? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think um, if I had to pick one, I'd go with uh, Disneyland Paris. Just wow. there's something about it. I don't know. Their Space Mountain's the best. Their their Pirates is the best. Their haunted, they don't have Haunted Mansion Phantom Manor. It's a little bit different than the Haunted Mansion here, but uh, their Main Street area to me is the best. Uh, it's just a very cool. It's it's more of uh, I don't know like what we would what you call it like a little hipper. Like I don't know. People dress a little nicer. It's just. Uh, uh, they have like um, brick pavers on the main street, and then behind the shops on the main street, there's there there more hallways because of all the rain. You know, they incorporated these hallways behind main street, so it has a different feel. I've been to Tokyo three times. You know, and the, and the, uh, the Tokyo Sea Park is is awesome and it's amazing. And maybe it's like over overhyped. Like it didn't live up to its. It, I can't say it didn't live up, but it, it was so overhyped. It was, it was amazing and the, and the, the detail and everything and it's amazing but uh for me i always go to uh, paris for some reason i just I, I really like that park and um but you know then then there's like halloween horror nights is like my at universal studios here it's yeah. like my my mine and my son's thing that we do so then i you know i lean towards that my daughter just started working at uh at universal so she's in the she's in the mardi gras parade she did halloween horror nights this past year so uh that's super cool to see you know the kids getting involved in that and, and being a part of it and really cool man i remember one night chucky this is many years ago scared the hell out of me because yeah you had that spinning thing and you're drinking you know, drinking vodka and sprite or whatever and you're walking through and you're like doo, 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 and then the, the the room spins and all of a sudden they come out of the wall but it looks like they're yeah. like the brick yeah <laughs> i was yeah. like oh jesus christ that got me chucky got yeah. me yeah, yeah that, that event gets bigger and bigger every year. Like, it was huge this past year. And, you know, maybe as part of it was like, you know, they didn't have it last year. And then with the COVID and everything, and then people yeah. just, it was crazy this past week, this past year. So it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I've only been to, obviously, the Orlando one, but I love Walt Disney World and I, lo I love Universal Studios. But um, Hollywood Studios, for some reason, I just love I love going to yes, Aerosmith, Tower fun. of Terror, Star Tours. Yeah. You know, I just love that park. It's great. Yeah, it's fun, man. Like, and, and you know, when you live here, you do it a little bit differently than than when when I used to come here you know, on vacation when I lived in Maine. You know, it was we do you know open to close, and you know we might go back and take a nap in the middle of the day, and then go back yeah. and close it out at night. But living here, it's kind of like ah, okay, we'll go down, we'll walk around a little bit, we'll get dinner, maybe do a ride, you know. But just basically, you know, people watch and do what old people do, and just you know walk around, you know. So it's it's a fun place to live. Are you still doing that theme park? I knew you were doing like a little bit of a show. You still do that occasionally? The theme park I, show? No, I, did, I stopped doing it. Um, I should start it back up. It's just so, it's so uh, saturated. That market is so saturated with so many different, well done, like YouTube shows. And yeah. I mean, there's people that are there every day and, and just, they, they, you know, like was it last week or two weeks ago, they had the, the figment. Uh, popcorn bucket go on sale in Epcot and like every YouTuber and everybody's there and they wait. It's like a six hour, six hour wait to get these figment popcorn buckets, you know? So it's like, I just don't have the, uh, want to do that, you know? So it's, uh, um, but, but I, you know, I did start, I started the uh, YouTube channel up right when I left WWE, like just under the Scott Garland name. And, uh, and, uh, I, I want to just be able to do, you know, if I have like all these old VH tapes of, uh, my old matches and 
you know, my travels now, you know, because so, uh, if anything's over a minute, I don't want to really put it up on Instagram. You know, they asked my son who's 17 and he's like, ah, you know, cause what do they call reels on Instagram? Right. So if it's yeah. longer than a minute, it becomes a reel. And he's like, ah, if it's, a, if it's ever longer than a minute and asked me if I want to continue watching, I never do. And I was like, you know, I've, I'm 48 and I feel the same way. So if there's anything longer than a minute, like I'll throw it up on the YouTube channel and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to spend a ton of time editing anything, but like say my travels to the UK and I, you know, I want to document it all with some video and, just you know throw throw some stuff up on there and like hey this is what i'm doing and you know maybe it won't even be wrestling related uh, you know you never know what it's, it's we have all these vehicles now to, to yep. self-promotion you know so why not do it what would you say high point of the career would it be winning the tag titles or what would, would you say is the high point of your career man just that whole year was was a high point like it was dude like I mean, just the live events themselves. Every night was sold out. I mean, we're talking, you know, 10, 20,000 people every single night. You know, and there'd be, there'd be 2,000 people waiting out at the loading docks just watching you get out of your car. It was such a crazy time. I and mean, I was talking to Jericho about this recently. It's like, like, you forget how crazy it was until sometimes you go back and you look at those videos. You know, I just, it's funny, just before we got on, man, I was like, uh, saw it was Lisa, uh, Victoria's, uh, Lisa Marie's birthday today and I knew you know we have a bunch of videos she used to dance with us the two you know two cool Rikishi yeah. and, and uh, so I was trying to find some stuff and just like you know going through stuff and seeing seeing the way the crowd was it was just in such an insane time so I mean really that whole year so I don't know if I could like pinpoint one thing I mean I think that Royal Rumble moment was pretty cool you know I think that's something that always seems to surface like on Twitter and stuff people tagging yeah. me in like that and the, the Malenko DDT off the, from Backlash off the top yeah. rope, you yeah. know. Um, but I don't know if that was a high point, but it just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I say my career peaked at the peak of professional wrestling. Like, I don't, I know they're making more money now, apparently, but is it, I don't, it's definitely not, to me, it's not hotter. And I don't think anybody with all wrestling hotter now than it was in 2000. You know, it's just they're, they're more, like worldwide and there's, the there's TV, more avenues right? yeah we're yeah. making more money right but to be a part of that time you know with austin and rock and at the peak of their careers and you know undertaker dx like jeez i mean uh, godfather funaki you know kayentai hollies like hardy's edge like dude like it's crazy it is crazy to think about like how hot that period was it was like everybody was hot like everybody that walked through that curtain was red hot you know it was such a crazy time so i think just just say like that whole year in general was it's kind of a blur like that's another thing that people go what's your what's your uh what's your regret or what's like what's your number one advice is like Hmm. keep a journal and take take lots of photos because you're going to wish you had both you know 20 years from now even now i go man i should like and i know there's apps like journal apps where i could just do it all on my phone like hey i was here this day and i went here for lunch and had this match with this guy and like i don't care about a win-loss thing but i would love to go hey i wrestled edge and christian in boise idaho in 1998 you know like we did this or you know, and I can remember Edge used to always like for a while we roomed together. You know, when he first came in, and he would always write in his journal. You know, we got to the room, and you know, now he's come out with these books. You know, like I wish I had stuff to go back on and and just kind of refresh my memory because, dude, it's when you're wrestling that much or traveling that much, it all just becomes a blur. So, very true. Now, got to mention ISPW, ISPWWrestling.com, of course, the 18th of February, Friday at the St. Anthony's Church Gym in Butler, New Jersey. You'll be there three to five for a seminar and then later on that evening for the main event. Yes. So very, very, very cool. Again, give us all the, all the plugs and everything you're going to be and your social media and all that other good stuff. Yeah, everything. So Instagram and Twitter are now, it went from the Scotty Tuhati to the Scott Garland. Um, and then Facebook is still Scotty too hotty, but WWE is in the process of changing everything over. So I, I think they've submitted everything. So eventually everything will be Scott Garland. I figured, you know, it's like, I don't know what name I'm going to use or be able to use or 
or whatnot. So I figured just better off to just go with my real name. You know, nobody can take that for me. And, uh, right. you know, going forward, you know, who knows what I'll do outside of wrestling. So it's just safer to, to just go in there. And, you know, the fans are, it's a different, it's a different time. Like they, they know everybody's real name now and, and there's nothing wrong with sure. being that. And, you know, you know, there were idea thoughts of like, do I go back to Scott Taylor? I do own that. Like, but, I mean, for the for the minimal amount of people that know that, like you know, I know the diehards know that, but like it's not really a, it's not a flashy name. It's not. It's just kind of a basic thing. So I just decided to go back to Garland and and and, and just make it that, you know. So nice. Sounds good, Scott. Yeah, but everything, so every dude, like yeah. Thank you, man. Everything's on my Instagram. I try to keep all that stuff uh, up to date. And uh, like I said, I've realized what an important tool it is. So. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's all, I try to blast everything out on all three, so, but thanks, thanks, dude, it was really good talking with you. Yeah, it's awesome talking to you, finally be able to get you on, great stuff, yeah, but thank yeah. you so much for all the time, appreciate it. Thanks, John. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip, you can check us out on Facebook, you can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother.